Okay, let's go to the book of Romans, um, chapter 11. I have to, have to tell you that um, I have been somewhat... What, dreading is not the right word. I, I've been somewhat apprehensive about coming to this next section, this next paragraph of, um, of Romans 11. Lord willing, we're going to cover verses 7 through 10 in the month of November. You thought we were going to do it tonight, didn't you? <laughs> well, I didn't want to disappoint you. Uh, but guys, first of all, well, let me let me just read you verse 7 first, and then, we'll, then I'll read the rest of it in just a minute. But I, let me comment after I read verse 7. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's downright cruel to try and address some of the stuff that's in that verse in a matter of ten minutes. Do you see? Very frankly, guys, if you're a lover of theology... There's a lot of it in that little text. And there's a lot of dancing around it. And uh, and I'm going to do my best to try and... Uh, but do you see how complex that is? Uh, the elect obtained it. You know, and if, you know, if he would have just stopped right there, you know, that would have been enough difficulty. But he goes on to say, the rest were hardened. <laughs> Maybe you might understand a little bit about my apprehension of teaching you this. This is, this is not easy stuff. Now, let's go back and read the paragraph together. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. All right. The month of November. Guys, um, in a way, this, um, this little section, verses 7 through 10, is somewhat of a summary of what Paul had says had has said um, up to this point in this section, chapters nine through eleven. Chapters nine through eleven is a section having to deal with the issue of Israel. Now, verses ten through or seven through ten in chapter eleven is somewhat of a summary. He starts off by saying, "What then?" It's um, it's as if he's saying. Okay, to summarize what I've been saying, and then he summarizes it. Now, gang, um, what verse 7 deals with are things that God has done. And so you need to... um, You... um, you may want to walk a little bit reverently around them. 
They're not easy. And um, the, the particularly hard part will come next week. But very frankly, the week after that ain't so easy either. Because if you know what an imprecatory psalm is, ever heard of that? <laughs> well, you should have. Um, but um, verses 9 and 10 are the quotation of David from Psalm 69, which is an imprecatory psalm. That's tough. There's nothing easy about imprecation. But we'll address it uh, three, uh, you know, the, the third night that we're together. It'll be three weeks, so we'll, we'll deal with all this stuff. So we better get going, I guess. Um, we're going to deal with one sentence tonight. And it's that first sentence after what then? That he's just, he's, he's introducing a summary. Uh, to summarize, if you want to, uh, to paraphrase that, that first two words. He says this, Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. Israel as a nation did not succeed in obtaining a righteousness which she, of which she was in search. She was in search of a righteousness. She wanted to be right with God, but she didn't make it. She failed. She um, she did not succeed in her effort to obtain righteousness. Now, why? Well, guys, um, we're told that, but we were told that really back in uh, chapter 10. If you can kind of look over there real quick, uh, in chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, for being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Okay, why did Israel fail to obtain what she was seeking? Because she wanted to get a righteousness, but not the one that God provided. She wanted to establish her own. Uh, she didn't want to accept some kind of God-provided righteousness she wanted to, she wanted to produce her own righteousness. And as a result, she failed to get where she wanted to get. She wanted to get right with God and she didn't make it. Why didn't she make it? Because she chose the wrong path to get the righteousness that she wanted. Now guys, um, understand this. A hundred thousand times out of a hundred thousand times, when an unregenerate man is offered a choice, between works and grace, they will choose works a hundred thousand times out of a hundred thousand times. Have you never had this uh, an experience like this? Uh, I, it, this has happened to me more than once, more than ten times, more than probably twenty times. But you know, I'll have somebody that I'm I'm trying to just walk through the gospel with, and I'll say. You know, remember, it's only four little things that you got to remember. God, sin, Christ, faith. Remember that? We're going to reach them with God, sin, Christ, faith. That's it. And so I'm walking through that same message about what who God is, what he's like, and he's, you know, his eyes are too old to look upon iniquity, but man's a sinner, and, uh, and and we're bigger sinners than we ever thought. And, and, and the person I'm speaking to is, yeah, yeah. And then I say, well, and you know, God can't let sin in his presence. And so what he did was he provided a, a savior for sinners and his name is Christ. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the way that we receive the benefits of Christ's work for us is what we do is we exercise faith and, and we lay hold to what Jesus Christ has done for us. And the person says, yeah, yeah. And I say, um, 
do you have any questions? And they say something like, you know, if I go to church a whole lot, I'll probably be able to get this. And I say, no, no, I didn't say that. That's not what I'm saying. Did you not hear what I said? Yeah. But ladies and gentlemen, a hundred thousand times out of a hundred thousand times, an unregenerate man when offered works and grace is going to choose works every time. Just like Israel did. Trying to establish a righteousness of their own. Israel want, wanted to be right with God. She just sought that wrongly. And by the way, she still is. She is to this day seeking it wrongly. What she was seeking was a good thing, but she sought it wrongly. Guys, let me give you, let me take you to a passage that you, that you know. It's in Luke 18, if you can flip over there real quick. But I think it does illustrate Israel. And I think that's what the intent of the parable was. I think, um, if anything, um, represented Israel, it was, it was Pharisees. But this is that, that parable, a well-known parable, verse 9, the Pharisee and the, the, the tax collector. Um, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Do you see that, guys? The whole parable is intended for those folks. What kind of folks? Oh, those folks that trusted in themselves that they were righteous. They wanted a righteousness that they themselves produced. They didn't want to accept some God-produced righteousness. They wanted one. They wanted to produce one of their own. And not. And when you do that, the the the, the uh, other part just comes naturally and treated others with contempt. Um, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus: God. I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector back there. Now notice in verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Do you, do you see that, guys? That is an effort to produce a righteousness that is all my own. I don't want to receive a righteousness that's provided for me by God. No, 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 no. I want to do it myself. It's me, 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 law, works, effort, merit, performance, human. And the unregenerate man, 100,000 times out of 100,000 times, will choose works over grace. You see, go back to verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Um... Guys, non-Christians tithe. I mean, not all of them. But, but you see, here's a man who, who, who fasts and tithes. Anybody fast and tithe in here? Both? But this is all performed by a man who wants, who's a representative of Israel who wants to produce a righteousness of his own. You can do all of that. You can fast twice a week. You can tithe. You can be morally upstanding and have a heart that is hard as a rock. 
And if you live by works, ladies and gentlemen, you will perish by works. There is only one way that any sinner is made right with God, and that is to receive a righteousness that God provides for people like us. And that righteousness that he provided is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. I, I, I lay hold of that. I receive a God-provided righteousness, not one of my own. You are supposed to lay hold of that and add nothing to it. Guys, what do you feel viscerally when you hear a gospel preached that is a gospel of justification by faith alone. What goes off in you? Uh, let, me, let me try to make it a little bit clearer. Um, what if I were to tell you that occupying heaven at this very moment are people who are murderers and adulterers? And then there are a lot of church members that aren't occupying heaven. That's not fair. Guys, um, if that seems unfair to you, you are being a Jew trying to find a righteousness of your own. Um, I tell you the greatest obstacle to revival today is religion. I know that, that kind of confuses you, that word, because you think religion. Oh, he's religious, and that's always a good thing. No, it's not. The greatest obstacle to men coming to faith in Christ is that they're, they're, they're just like Israel. They want to produce it themselves. They did not obtain what they were searching for because they did it wrongly. And the same thing is going on of today. But not only in Israel. Um, all over, including Israel. I wrote this up here several weeks ago. Guys, the difference between the um, the religion of Israel and <laughs> and massive amounts of others is is the difference between do versus done. That is, do it, perform it, work for it, earn it, put forth effort to get it, or except what's been done for you. Israel, Paul says, um, failed to obtain what she was seeking because she wanted to establish a righteousness of her own. Okay? Now, go forward with me just a little bit. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. Let me, let me, <laughs> let me make this observation first. In the Greek, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is really translated somewhat wrongly. Um, it's not the elect. It is election. The election obtained it. Because the elect refers to a group of people. Do you see that? The election refers to something that God did. So to make sure that, that um, God gets all the glory for this... The word is election, not the elect. The election obtained it. 
Now, Israel didn't obtain it. So God created this remnant via the election. Um, remember that remnant business up in verse 5? Um, how does this believing remnant come into being? Look at verse 5. There is a remnant chosen by grace. The remnant that did obtain it obtained it because they were the election, because of the election of God. How left to ourselves would any of us try to get right with God? We would try to work our little fannies off and then overwhelm him with our goodnesses. But that won't work. So to bring into being a remnant of a a believing remnant, they are created by the election of grace. Very frankly, that's hard enough. But then he goes on to say the rest were hardened. We'll come to that next week. Let's just stay here for a minute, and then and I'll try to wrap this up. Um, um, Israel did not obtain what she was seeking because she, had, she sought it the wrong way. And so God created a remnant chosen by grace who simply rest in what he's provided. Now, guys, may I say this? If you grasp this, it will change the way that you do evangelism. It will um, it will take the pressure off of you. Very frankly, I don't think it discourages uh, evangelism. I think it encourages it. Um, I got to tell you a little. I got to give you a piece of insider information. Cindy Cole told us, or continues to tell us, do you know what the number one question that she gets in Amazing Grace Land from you parents? The number one question she gets is, how do I talk to my children about Jesus? And they are terrified to talk to their own children. And they want us to come and talk to their children about Jesus. Their own children. Now, guys, I, I, I don't think that's... I, mean, I think I understand why they're, they're so afraid they're going to say something wrong. And if I said something wrong, my little darling, I just, somebody give us the experts. Bring in those seminary grads. And they'll say it right. Ladies and gentlemen, any of us who are believers in this room tonight are there because of a, uh, a, we are a part of a remnant chosen by grace. Relax. Go tell them about what Jesus did. And God will, God will honor your efforts. Haven't you ever had that experience where you, 
you talk to somebody and you leave them and you say, oh, I wish I'd said that. I do that every Sunday morning. I go home and I think, oh, dog, I wish I could have said that better. Uh, that was awful. I wish I could you know. But relax. If you get this, it'll change the way you do evangelism. It'll make you, it'll make you more ready. Because you know that ultimately, it's not because of your gospel savvy. It's because of a remnant chosen by grace. No, it's this election that God performed. And so the heat's off of us. It, the heat's off of us in terms of, I mean, I'm not trying to encourage sloppiness, but, but go get it done and watch Him use you. Now, there's one other thing that I want to I say in terms of if you get this, it'll change the way we do evangelism. I want you to say something with this. We're going to quit. Go with me over to Luke chapter 10. And, and very frankly, guys, this is one of the reasons I think that the non-Christian church has such a bad reputation among the non-Christian world. So stay with me and we're, and we're finished. Uh, do you remember when Jesus sent out the 72? And they re- this is Luke 10, 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw fate, Satan's fall like light. Behold, I've given you authority, etc., etc. Nevertheless, <clears throat> verse 20, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Do you, do you know what's going on there, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, so the 72 go out and they're, they're, they're trying to represent Jesus and do evangelism and they come back and they're all excited. Oh, this was great. This was so much fun because even the demons are subject to us. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a good statement. That's a bad statement. And they get rebuked for it by Jesus. What's bad about the statement? What's bad about the statement is, I went out there and I did great things for God. And now, because all of these people responded, I'm a somebody. I did a good thing. And because I did a good thing, now I know I've got value and worth. Man, this is exciting doing this business. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever heard about people who do evangelism and put notches in their belts? I got another one. I got another one. I got another scalp. The demons are subject to me. Look at me. I have value because I talked to another person uh, into agreeing with me about the deity of Christ. And consequently, the non-Christian world runs from us. They run from us, ladies and gentlemen. Because these guys came back excited because of their performance. We performed well and man, this ministry stuff is really nifty. Um, now I'm a now I'm a somebody because I led somebody to Jesus. And Jesus says, listen, stop that. Um Don't rejoice like that. Here's what you ought to rejoice in. You need to rejoice in the fact that your names 
are, are, are written in heaven. Rejoice in the fact that you're a part of a remnant chosen by grace. You know, guys, um, he, is, he is saying that to people who are flawed and broken and they're, 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 they do bad things and they fail, etc., etc. And what does he tell them? Here's something that you can be confident in. Your names are written in heaven. You know, guys, um, I, wonder, I wonder how many ministers, including me, went into the gospel ministry wanting the experience of the 72 in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. I want to have some power. I want to have somebody say, Look at how much good he does. Jesus says, don't do that. You need to be excited, not because there was a particular usefulness that you may have served. You you need to be excited that your eternity is settled. And it's settled not because you're going to be a good boy and girl all the way to heaven and all the way to death, it's settled because you were a remnant of chosen by grace and your names got written into the Lamb's book of life before all eternity. Get excited about that, guys. Now, all I'm saying is that'll change the way we do evangelism. We don't have to be nervous about the results. You know, we don't have to worry about how many people responded to the invitation? All we have to do is be faithful to this simple little message, God, sin, Christ, faith, and um, yield ourselves to the, uh, to the instruction of Jesus Christ who said that we've got a world to win in His name, according to the Great Commission. Go do that knowing that the results are not in your hands. They're not. They're not. It takes the pressure off, but it also removes this sense of, I accomplished one for Jesus. That's an ugly thing, ladies and gentlemen. And it's such a part of the fabric of evangelicalism, and the world scoffs at us because of it. If we... If we are useful if we are allowed to make a have a conversation about the gospel and somebody rejects it they reject you or they reject the gospel you, you may get you may be sad but you won't be angry you won't feel rejected you won't feel like man I just didn't do good uh-uh. Because you know that the, the remnant is not the result of you doing good. The remnant is the result. The remnant came into being because they were the chosen, they were chosen by grace. They were the election who obtained it.
Next week, we'll come back and dig this hole a little bit deeper. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will um, convince us that salvation is all about you. It's not about us. It's not about how good we do it or how many verses we quoted verbatim. It's about people who are overwhelmed by grace, falling in love with a Savior and wanting to share with somebody else what they love. So, Lord, um, remove all that, that silly pride that comes from performance from us and then give us opportunity. Give us opportunity to tell people what we have found and where we as beggars have found the bread that we're eating. Give us those opportunities, Lord, as, as we attempt to be faithful to your commands to accomplish the Great Commission. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks and good night.